0: when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota,
1: Toyota, let's go places. My days working and taking care of my little ones can be a lot. I checked out care.com and it was so easy for me to find local, experienced, and background check sitters. Finding our babysitter was way more affordable than I thought. Care.com makes it super easy search for qualified candidates you can view their profiles read reviews and ratings check their availability send messages directly get the help that you need care.com should be every person's go-to Hour number
2: three of BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, is here. Ed Egros, Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And joining us now to talk a little college basketball is Isaac Trotter of 24-7 Sports. Isaac, thank you so much for joining us. We greatly appreciate it. Let's start with a general trend that we've seen in the sport over the last few weeks. A lot of home teams, unranked home teams, are knocking off the big boys. We've seen Kentucky go down, Purdue go down, Arizona, Houston, Tennessee. They all lost on the road. So what does this mean in terms of those upcoming matchups where, say, we have an unranked home team? Maybe they're not even that talented, but you do see them playing well and hanging against stiff competition at home.
3: Yeah, I think it just kind of goes back to my theory that college basketball is as wide open as it's ever been so far this year. uh, Just with the transfer portal, you know, the COVID year, having these fifth-year seniors playing, we're seeing a lot of really competent teams. And so I don't think there's that elite team right now in college basketball. There's a lot of really good teams maybe, but I don't think that top tier is like, oh my gosh, they're just going to blow the doors off of anybody on any court at any time. So I think that Mm kind of opens things up too from like a a futures perspective as well. I think there's some mispriced teams out there right now as well that are a little bit maybe more vulnerable than we thought. Like there's there's some long shots Out there, like for me, like a long shot that I look at is Wake Forest. They're 150 to one on certain some books to win it all. That's a team they're nine and one since they've gotten their whole crew back. They've had a couple guys from the transfers that got ruled eligible to play. You know, and you see some of the teams that are like have lower odds in them ahead of them. UCLA is sixty-six to one at this one book I'm looking at, and it's like UCLA is a train wreck. They're not going to make the NCAA tournament. Wake mm-hmm. Forest is maybe the second or third best team in the in the ACC. So I think from that perspective, it's like that's where I'm looking farther down the board because we've seen these teams are not as like they're not as like dominant as we might have thought originally. And now there's these opportunities for these really talented groups from the from the long shots perspective, from a futures perspective, that I think could make some really, really interesting noise if they get the right draw in March.
0: Uh, Isaac, what I find interesting is it feels like even though it's January, the market's kind of caught up. And, and what I mean by that is it's headline news, top five team loses outright on the road. Like, that's a big story. But does it, I don't know, like, what you're kind of explaining is Everything's so close, anyways. Unranked versus ranked, the gap isn't that wide, so it shouldn't be all that shocking. And then, like when you look at it, okay, the Arizona one was a surprise; they were a nine and a half point favorite. But Texas A&M closed as a favorite over Kentucky. Like that—that's where we are now. Texas A&M was minus two and a half. Uh, Houston, oh, they're gonna lose again. Okay, bit of a surprise there with TCU, but that was a three and a half point spread. Like, it wasn't much. So, like, I'm starting to wonder when you get these highly ranked teams and you see low point spreads like that, if, like, the alarm bells should be going off.
3: Uh, No, for sure. And, you know, it's like it's one of those things with the preseason priors, too. Like, how long are we readjusting from what we thought these teams were? Because if you told me in the preseason, hey, TCU is going to beat Houston at home, I don't think anybody would have been surprised by that. TCU's a really, really good basketball team. So, like, that's kind of where from from my process perspective of, like, trying to eliminate some of the preseason bias because there's some really darn good teams that just didn't play that well early in the season. And now, you know, like, the other one, too, that stood out to me was, like, Texas Tech, uh, uh, Texas. Texas Tech beats Texas. Like, that's not a surprise at all, but everything on social media, oh, Texas, number 25, Texas, upset by Texas Tech, even though Texas Tech was the better team and has been the better team all season long.
1: How do you rank UConn? Because the Huskies are one of the only top teams that didn't take an L over this chaotic week that we just saw.
3: Yeah, I think you could maybe argue that Purdue has the better resume, but... I don't think there's been a team that's shown a high-end ceiling as good as UConn. And, you know, it's supposed to be really, really hard to repeat, but this group seems very intent on making a really, really deep run. And they just got a, a really nice mix. And they've been really injured, too. Like they had – they missed Steph Castle for a, a significant amount of time, and Donovan Klingin has missed some time as well. Now he's starting to get back healthy. But when this group is fully together – I mean, if someone says they're the number one team in the country, I don't really have a a really good case to argue because they defend so well. They have great rim protection. They can really shoot it. Multiple shooters, they're old, but then also a mix of young guys that are coming in and really adding a different juice to that team. And and Dan Hurley is one of the best coaches in college basketball. So, you know, it's hard to repeat, but UConn looks like they have a really, really good chance.
2: So what do we do with, say, all of these upsets and the fact that the market has has caught up in all of this stuff? Because – I wonder in terms of resumes and how to evaluate these teams in terms of the NCAA tournament and futures for Final Four, National Championship, all that good stuff. Like, What are we looking for exactly? Because if everybody is going to succumb to bad road performances, then what's going to stand out as far as what we're looking for that gives you hope that they can make a run in the NCAA tournament when everything is supposedly on a neutral court?
3: Yeah, I mean I, I look for the teams that are winning on road re, winning road games. We should reward those teams if you're able to go on the road in this environment right now and win, that's huge. You know, again the other thing that I keep looking for is top 20 offenses and defenses. I think there's only four teams right now out there that have a top 20 offense and defense. When you take preseason priors out, it's a team like Auburn who, I mean, we've talked about on this show, I was really high on them in the preseason. They were 12 to one at some spots to win the SEC. That number's long gone, right? Like North Carolina is another team lately. There's offensively, I don't think we have a lot of issues, but defensively, they're starting to really round into form. So those are the type of teams that I'm looking for. If you can go on the road and win in this environment, And you're able to do it on both ends. And we see a lot of teams that are really good on one end and really kind of crappy at the other end. Like that's, those are the teams I'm eyeing right now.
0: Yeah. And Isaac, um, there are a few spots tonight. I think that kind of, kind of fit what we're talking about. And you tell me if you think any of these are upset alert, like maybe not, like, you know, TCU is ranked in the top 20, but they are a three and a half point dog at unranked Cincinnati, which is kind of interesting. Baylor top 10 team in the country. They're only laying one and a half at unranked Kansas State. And and then there's like New Mexico laying five and a half against number sixteen, Utah State. Any anything in those three games jump out?
3: Yeah, I really like New Mexico. I think New Mexico makes a ton of sense tonight. That's a really, really talented roster. Utah State does not have a lot of continuity this year, um, but they've played great. They're one of the best stories in college basketball. Danny Sprinkle's done a really good job, but that New Mexico backcourt is nice. Like they have, they're healthy now, and they are really deep. And great Osabar is the stud for Utah State, but he's kind of gotten some of his numbers against some of these undermanned front courts lately. New Mexico does not have that. JT Toppin has been an awesome rim protector this year. They also got Nellie Jr. Joseph, a transfer out of Iona, who played for Rick Pitino. So I think New Mexico makes a ton of sense tonight. Uh, the other game that really stands out to me is, like, this Iowa State-BYU game. You know, Iowa State yeah. is a phenomenal wow. defensive team this year, but, like, they really struggled to guard the three. That's BYU's bread and butter. And so I think Jackson Robinson, if you, if you have access to props, over one and a half threes there makes a ton of sense to me. You know, I, I looked at the numbers. Iowa State, unguarded catch-and-shoot threes this year. They're allowing over 10 unguarded catch-and-shoot threes. That ranks 332nd nationally. Robinson had an eight three pointer game earlier this year. He's had multiple threes in each of the first 10 games of the season. So he's a little bit cooled off lately, but that's a guy like from a props perspective, he's gonna have a really good opportunity to get six or seven attempts tonight, and he's one of the better shooters in the country. So that's, that's another angle that I'm eyeing.
1: I know you've mentioned you're big on props. Is there any other uh, areas where you're looking matchup wise for some props?
3: Yeah, let's look at Indiana Purdue, right? Um, this is a game again at home. Purdue it, it, Purdue going on the road, nine and a half point favorite. Like that's it's a kind of an interesting spot. But for me, again, I, I look at Zach Eady rebounds. He had 18 and 16 rebounds against Indiana last year. So his number today is 11 and a half. And centers against Indiana have eaten all year long. Pharrell Payne had 10 and 29 minutes. Cliff Omaruri had 11 rebounds in 32 minutes. Felix Opara had 15 and 31 minutes. Hunter Dickinson had 14 rebounds, so like that's a spot for me. Zach Eady on the glass against Indiana makes a ton of sense. Indiana is big, which keeps him in the paint. They don't really have those stretch fives that can really make him have to run out to the perimeter to contest threes a ton. And their their inability to rebound on the offensive glass is really jarring for Indiana this year. So, you know, Edie, Edie could have five, six, seven offensive rebounds tonight, so that makes a lot of sense. Fletcher Lawyer, over 10.5 points, too, in that matchup makes a lot of sense as well. Indiana's defense is a little bit old school where they allow a lot of unguarded catch-and-shoot threes. They're kind of like always trying to plug the gaps, and they've allowed shooters have been able to get theirs against the Fletcher Lawyer. Super combustible, big-time player. Who you know in some of their biggest games this year, he'll go for thirty. Right, Tennessee learned all about that the bad way. So he's a little bit hot and cold, but he's a guy who can really get it going from downtown. Ninety percent of Fletcher Lawyer's threes this year are catch and shoot threes. So he's going to have really good opportunities. So over ten and a half or over one and a half threes, both of those make a lot of sense to me in that spot. I got some others too. If you want me to rattle them off. Well, okay yeah. then. <laughs> go ahead. I'll uh, yeah.
2: put my feet up, Isaac. That's uh, another one that's good. Yeah, let's go. Uh,
3: yeah. Let's go, Alabama, Missouri. Um, uh-huh. Again, Missouri, one of the worst three-point defenses this year. Three hundred and seventh nationally. We talked about Iowa State earlier, and Missouri is in the same spot where they just all allow a ton of wide-open catch and shoot threes, uh, and that's a really bad matchup against Alabama. So, Rylan Griffin him to hit multiple threes tonight is, is plus money he's one of the best shooters in the country his numbers don't necessarily represent it but he's, you're talking about five or six attempts that you can get from him tonight probably and he's he's a big time shot maker big time shot maker and then to pair that with you go at mark sears over three and a half assists he's been one of their like go-to scores so far this year but he still has a pretty high assist rate just a smidge under aaron estrada for assist, assist rate and I think Alabama has a chance to put a hundred piece on Missouri tonight, like just with the offensive stylistically, what they're able to do. And Mark Sears is going to, if that happens, Mark Sears is going to cruise over three and a half uh, assists. And then the last one, not my favorite, but it's an interesting one from this afternoon, Tennessee plays Florida on the road at Tennessee, Tennessee's defense. We've talked a lot about three point defenses that stink. Tennessee's three point defense is phenomenal. They allow the fewest catch and shoot threes this year, just, uh, just under five per game, just, unbelievable on on unguarded catch and shoot threes they just don't let those happen and will richard under one and a half threes at plus 130. he just had 10 attempts last game everybody like the number has really readjusted i feel like the books have had a hard time With this guy all season long one time over one and a half threes will be you know plus 150 the next game under one half threes is plus 130 they just are having a really hard time sticking with him because his volume can kind of be up and down so it's not my favorite but i think it's a guy that he has chances where he can only have two or three attempts and i think if that happens tonight against a tennessee defense that just takes away what he's really good at that's a big time opportunity especially in a game where florida struggles to turn the basketball over Tennessee will turn you over. That leads to less shots for Florida, so less chances for for Will Richard to cash this number. So those are the, some of the angles I'm looking at tonight.
4: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass?" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
5: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business.
0: Uh let's look at tomorrow. Any chance Houston makes it 3 in a row. They're hosting Texas Tech. 3 any any or is this like this is the prime bounce back spot. They lost a couple of tough road games really close and then they're going to be ready.
3: Yeah, I, I Kelvin Sampson is he's just wired differently. I went down to Big 12 media days yeah. and I talked to him and you just talked to him a little bit and he's just <laughs> He's nasty. He's got some nasty in him. So I think Houston comes out tomorrow and really instills their will. The strength of this Texas Tech team is that backcourt, which Houston just ev- eviscerates guards. Like, their defense is so, so good about about defending, thing, uh, defending lead guards this year. So if you're able to take Pop Isaacs out, force him to take tough shots – Joe Toussaint take tough shots. I think this Texas Tech offense it has put up pretty good numbers this year could be a little bit vulnerable. That's a good Texas Tech team, but they're not very deep after an injury. Mm-hmm. They don't really have a bunch of beef inside. And I think that Houston's going to go to work on the offensive glass. It's all on Warren Washington and Darian Williams to really hit the glass for for Texas Tech. And that's, that's a bad matchup against a Houston team that they'll send three or four guys to the glass and they will go hard at offensive rebounds. So I'd expect a pretty big bounce back spot for Houston against a Texas Tech team that's thin. But it's, it's also one of those spots where I just think Houston's guards are better than Texas Tech's guards.
1: I'm curious your thoughts on Gonzaga. They've fallen out of the AP poll for the first time in almost 10 years after dropping a road game to Santa Clara. I mean, wow. I guess it's kind of an end of an era now. We're seeing a big free fall for the Bulldogs.
3: No, you're right. It's a great point. And, you know, you're kind of starting to look at their resume going, do they have to win the West Coast Conference Tournament to make the big dance? Like, that's legitimately on the table here. Now, they do have a big game against Kentucky. Um, I don't remember exactly when that is. It's kind of like a middle of the SEC slate randomly. Gonzaga is going to go play Kentucky. That's going to be a huge game for their resume because they need to have it if they want to have an at-large case. So, it's definitely one of those conversations where early in the preseason everyone's like, could St. Mary's beat Gonzaga for the West Coast Conference? And like they were pretty close from a from a futures perspective out there. St. Mary's opens the year looking like garbage. Gonzaga's now not really playing very, very well. So it's kind of like an open season now, right now, in the West Coast Conference. I, I still have faith that Gonzaga's gonna find a way to get this done and get to the big ten or get to the big dance. I just don't know if this team is built to really advance, you know, like they like they're really thin and that that preseason injury to steel venters you know he's eastern washington transfer doesn't really make a lot of uh headlines there but that's a big loss for them and it feels like they're all on you know they have two guards right like they have to play two guards and they have to play three bigs and playing three power forwards in a modern era of basketball is just it's just really really tough to win that way so gonzaga is a solid team they have to get really, really lucky in the West Coast Conference Tournament, I think, to make the NCAA Tournament, which sounds stunning for a Mark View program that's been, uh, honestly, one of college basketball's best programs over the past 10 to 15 years.
2: God, it's like you could rattle off the names that have been a part of that program the last couple of years of them being in this position. Yeah, it is crazy. Isaac Trotter of Twenty Four Seven Sports, thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. This is BeckQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we will update the NFL coaching odds coming up on the BeckQL Network.